peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially on Father's Day. We wish happy Father's Day to those of you who are dads. Um, it is a morning when we are going to be celebrating all sorts of wonderful things. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord, and we're glad that you chose to be here with us, especially if you're visiting. There is a friendship pad on each one of the pews. Uh, it is near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today. You can see many things that are happening inside of your bulletin. One of them is, if you have a child in Sunday school today, fathers, your child is making you something to eat. And so when you go to pick them up, be sure that dad goes to pick them up. So, okay, there's something the dads need to go eat if you have a child in Sunday school. If you don't have a child in Sunday school, too bad for you, you don't get it. They're not making you anything. As part of our celebration of, the, of 100 years as a church family, we are going to be celebrating at the Hotel Laguna at the end of, uh, in September. That is going to be a dinner for 300 people. It is the capacity of the hotel, and we have already sold about, 100, about half of those tickets. And so if you are wanting to go to that, you probably want to go online when you get home today and buy your tickets. If going online is difficult for you, uh, we have people over in Tankersley Hall who will help you do that today. Uh, but the tickets will probably sell out quite soon. Um, so that's the only way to buy them is online for the dinner in September. Also, as part of our celebration next Sunday, we are going to be celebrating anyone who was married here in the last hundred years or who was married by one of our pastors, uh, even if it was off-site. So if you were married here in the last hundred years, we hope that you will be here to celebrate with us next Sunday morning. There's a bit of a wedding reception afterwards, an opportunity for photos and all sorts of things. Our book talk group invites you to join them as they read A Gentleman in Moscow this summer. You can see that they're meeting the end of August to discuss it, and those books are available on the patio today. I started it, and it is a great read. Um, let's see what else is here. You will hear more later about our children's ministries. Um, as a congregation, we celebrate our joys and our sorrows together. Um, one of our joys and the flowers marked today Dick and Nancy Baird, who have been married for 62 years. Whoa! Congratulations! Of course, they got married when they were 10 years old, right? Amazing. We were also celebrating Karen French with some of the flowers, and we are celebrating a 100th birthday. Ricky Ballou, where are you? Ricky Ballou, 100. Wow. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Ricky, happy birthday to you. And she's got on her 100 shirt too to mark it, that's great. Uh, also we we uh, celebrate our sorrows together, too. Uh, Kathy Shoemaker's service will be this coming Saturday. We hope you will join us for that. And the Jensen family, Alice and Russ, they are some of our deacons. Russ received news Friday night that his brother and his brother's wife were in a car accident and were both killed. So uh, we are praying for the Jensen family today. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, 
We turn our hearts to you. You are the Father of light, the source of all light and love in this cosmos. You created by the power of your word. You sustain the creation by the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of your love. We thank you for coming to us in Jesus Christ, your Son, Son of God, Savior of the world, who laid down his life for us that we might truly live. So we join together as the people of God with your saints and all generations in praising you today for all of your wonderful gifts and assuring us that nothing can separate us from your love Nothing in life or in death, we belong to you. Comfort us, we ask, and fill us with your joy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please join me for a call to worship. Praise the Lord. I give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great, Great are, are the works, works of the Lord, Lord studied, studied by all who delight in them. them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Let us stand and worship the living God. All ye who hear, draw to his temple. Join me in glad songs of adoration and devotion. Together. Praise to the Let's lead out and we'll have the men sing the echo this morning. This is Psalm 9. 
together. church let us be seated as we sing this next song psalm 25 you got to sing it with a little bit of energy though oh yeah to you oh god i lift up my soul let's sing it together to you oh god i lift up my soul lift up my spirit to my lord to you i lift to you, O oh God, I lift up my soul, lift up my spirit to my Lord. To you, I lift up my soul. Make me to know your ways, O oh God. Teach me your teach me.
Psalmist's vision of community calls us to confession. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. And so let us pray responsively. Eternal God, we confess that often we have failed to be an obedient church. When we have not done your will, when we have broken your law and rebelled against your love, when we have not loved neighbor as self, and when we have not heard and responded to the cries of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. By your spirit at work within us, free us for joyful obedience, that we may walk in the ways of Christ. And so we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. Here are words you may trust, words that merit full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. To all who confess their sins and resolve to lead a new life, he says, your sins are forgiven. He also says, follow me. Now to the one who rules all worlds, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Thanks be to God. Amen. Open your pew Bibles to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, 
chapter 2, the very end of Peter's Pentecost sermon. Acts 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, that is Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've always been in awe of this passage. Tells the story how on that, as a result of that first sermon, that the church grew from 120 members to 3,000. Probably in the history of the church, there's never been a day like that day of a response to the mighty acts of God, of a response to the message of the gospel, the good news, that God is love, that God is good, and that God in Christ has reached down into the depths of our lives to seek and to save all of us, all of humanity, to communicate to all the nations that God is at work, the kingdom of God is present and on the move in history. There must have been some major administrative organizational challenges to this gathering now of suddenly 3,000 new disciples. And it's this that I want to attend to this morning in the message. Luke tells us that they devoted themselves as disciples. What do you do when you devote yourself to someone or to something or to some cause? 
Well, that devotion reorients your life, doesn't it? It gives you a new purpose. It gives focus to your life. You realize that you're a part of something that's bigger than just yourself. You fall in love. In the simplest terms, you fall in love with Jesus. And you know you've been touched by the Spirit of Jesus. And you know he's, a, he's present in your life. And you may not understand all the mystery of it. In fact, if you're a new disciple, you're just beginning to learn to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. And if his compassion and his love have touched your life, you begin to see the world in a new way. And I think the disciples, those 12 who had followed Jesus for three years, had learned enough by this point that they devoted themselves to their calling, to their responsibility of teaching the Word of God, of teaching a Christian worldview, if you will, of shaping and forming disciples, of doing everything that they could do to pour the mind of Christ into those who had suddenly become Christians and had begun that process of being transformed to be like Christ. And so all the people who came into the church that day, they devoted themselves, they gave themselves, they refocused their lives in the apostles' teachings. The apostles, it had taken them a long time to learn what they needed to learn. They didn't learn it overnight. In fact, it wasn't until after the resurrection of Jesus and they were encountered by the living Lord that they came to understand that it was God's purpose and will for His Son to come seeking and to save the lost. And the way that he found us was at the cross where God reached down from heaven and put his arms around us and held us tightly as the good shepherd with the promise that he would be with us to the end of the age and that nothing could separate us from his love. Proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. At the cross, God made atonement for our sins. And on Easter Sunday, he was raised to sit at the right hand of the Father. He was with his disciples for 40 days after Easter Sunday, teaching them out of the Scriptures what the presence and the power of the kingdom of God was about in their lives. And that mission had been passed on to those disciples. And they took the canon of Scripture that they had inherited from Israel. And they began to proclaim the promises of God. And to tell those new disciples as simply as what you heard this morning in Vacation Bible School. God created you. His own image. God loves you. 
And God has a purpose and plan for your life, and he will never abandon that project. You do not have to live driven by anxiety and fear. You can trust God because God is good. That gets tested, doesn't it? And there are all kinds of messages that impact our lives that call into question this view of reality. On Sunday evening, I watched 60 Minutes, and there was a segment on that CBS program called Brain Hacking. And it was fascinating. And, you know, a number one subject that we're all dealing with is this, is do we have enemies in the world who are trying to hack our systems and to intervene with our communication in order to control and to divide and to destroy the nation? Some see all the benefits of this digital age in which we live It's while containing great gifts that we celebrate and things that we enjoy like social media and our smartphones and all of that. And yet those who are working at the very center of this whole project of mass communication and understanding and really the attempt to persuade us to buy their products have programmed our smartphones in such a way that they become addictive And messages come in, and we send messages out, whether we're on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat. More and more, we do not want our streak to be intervened with. But the messages come into our lives, and they go down to the lowest levels of our brain stem stir up anxiety and fear within us. And the only way we know how to relieve that anxiety and fear is to go online and see what we have received. And so some folks spend hours a day being shaped and formed by the messages of the world that it's anxiety and it's fear and it's power and it's seduction and it's hatred and it's hostility. The apostles, if they were here this morning, I think they would say, take the good gifts of God's creation and science and technology but maintain mastery over them and do not surrender to those lower brainstem messages that cause a chemical reaction in our brain that lead us like playing a slot machine to get rewards over and over again. Buy my product and you will live. And it's all around us. And what we think about reality is what motivates us and moves us and causes us to devote our lives in certain directions. But Christ intervenes in our lives through the power of his word and spirit. 
And he confronts the negative, hostile, fearful, anxious messages of our world for the sake of giving to us his mind. Can you imagine having the mind of Christ, seeing the world through his eyes, being deeply moved, being motivated to stand all against that which destroys not only our young people, but all of us as we stand around in our groups monitoring our smartphones. Wherever the church has been alive, it has had to struggle with the messages of the principalities and the powers of the world who want nothing more than to propagandize us and draw us away from the truth or anesthetize us so that we go to sleep to what is really going on. church that is alive is one that is devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God, to the canon of the Scripture. You can't live without it. I can't live without it. The Spirit sets up a desire within us to give ourselves to the message of life and love. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. No longer out there by themselves in a hostile world, but members of a fellowship, a community to which they belonged. Living life together, self-disclosing, knowing one another, supporting one another. What a different way of living your life. No longer just the independent, self-sufficient, autonomous individual. But one is a member of a community who knows that they belong. That they have brothers and sisters in Christ. And they enjoy that koinonia, that, that fellowship of being together and here in the fellowship we work through all the strengths and the weaknesses we work through those those irritating dimensions that are in each of our lives that can rub against each other and make it difficult for us to get along nevertheless here we learn to stay committed to one another in the long journey of life and the fellowship and to work through whatever needs to be worked through The Gospels, the letters of the New Testament are filled with instruction from the apostles as to how to go about this. They devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. I can tell you that early church, this was the beginning of the Presbyterian church. They loved to eat and drink. First thing that may happen to you when you become a part of a fellowship like this, you may be invited to a dinner party and it goes well beyond the table of the Lord that is at the center, of course. But you may be invited to, to be with others at a table. I've been to two or three different dinner parties this week. And I've got to really discipline myself not to overdo. The Gospels tell us that so many of Jesus' most powerful teachings occurred at table fellowship with others, with the rich, the poor, the lost, the broken, having dinner, 
Imagine having Jesus at your table and hearing what he might have to say to you. We love to eat. We feed one another. You know, a couple of weeks ago when Virginia Grogan announced after the choir concert that Kay Tankersley, my wife, was inviting us all to dinner, I was totally surprised. When I stood up here, I realized this building was pretty full. And she was paying for the whole thing. I thought, this is going to cost me some money. <laughs> but somehow it was okay, you know, because there was such joy in coming to the table together to eat and to drink, to laugh, to affirm that we belong to one another. It was beautiful. I would have rounded up the whole town that night and invited them all to the party. That's just what the father did when his prodigal son returned home, killed the fatted calf, and gave a great party. And it became a great illustration of how great and good God's grace of forgiveness really is. It was a celebration. We do that all the time. Why? It's not just because we like to eat food. There's something mysterious in the body of Christ and the fellowship of Christ that in the breaking of bread and of laughing together around the table and sharing what's going on in our lives that enriches us and builds us up and makes us so strong. They devoted themselves to that. And they also devoted themselves to prayer. Praying for one another in the temple, in their small groups, by themselves. They were learning to pray. They'd asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them, taught them to pray the Lord's Prayer. That was a summation of all 150 Psalms of the Old Testament. Jesus pulled it all together. He said, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory that about says everything that needs to be said in a prayer. We ought to pray that prayer every day, and we do. Wherever the church has been alive, wherever the saints have been alive, wherever the mission of the church has been powerful, it has come out of a, a fellowship of disciples devoted to the apostles' teaching devoted to the fellowship of the church, devoted to breaking bread together, devoted to the prayers. And out of that came a generosity of spirit that they also had to learn. They needed to learn that they, they didn't need to hold on. 
selfishly to what they thought they owned, but to experience the grace of God that liberated abundant giving for the sake of meeting the needs of others. Sometimes we like to pass over those portions of Scripture where we see the early church practicing their love for one another in such a powerful way that they are distributing their assets to one another as an expression of their love. And if you haven't learned to be a cheerful giver, there's something missing in your discipleship and you need to have the Holy Spirit empower that within you. 1972, when I came to this church, there was no way that we could have rebuilt this sanctuary. We needed to be shaped and formed by the apostles' teaching, by the fellowship of a people, by the breaking of bread, by, by prayers. We needed to have the mind of Christ and to understand what God cares about in this world and what plan and purpose He has for us to be a lighthouse of the gospel. We needed to be reclaimed by that vision of what it means to be a healthy whole church. So I started out here doing the only thing I knew how to do, and that was to open up the apostles' teachings and to enjoy the fellowship with saints that were here and to break bread together and to learn to pray together. And out of that has come a generosity of spirit that is really overwhelming. So we finally came to the place where we realized that we had it of necessity to rebuild this building and we thought we were going to do a cosmetic work. It might cost us $5 million. We launched into that. We brought in the authorities. They told us, you've got to completely rebuild. And it's going to cost you a lot more money than you ever imagined. And finally we began to see that maybe this was going to cost us around $14 million. 700-member congregation. The first 7 million came in from a few people who cared enough to launch us. But then in 2010, we had to pay off our construction costs. I'll never forget the night in my office when our leadership team was meeting with the Lane Foundation representative and we were signing the documents for a $7 million loan to be paid off in 10 years, $73,000 a month. And he insisted that I, me as the pastor, sign the document. I never had my name on such a document. Seven million dollars. You've got to be kidding. And so over the last seven years, we've been really working hard to get out from that, under that debt burden. And you've been with us at every step of the way. 
this last week, we sent in the last payment on that loan. Ten-year loan paid off in seven years. It's a miracle. It's a mighty act of God. And this September 17th, we're going to burn the mortgage in front of all of you. And we're going to eat and drink. And we're going to celebrate. And we're going to affirm our 100-year history. And recognize once again that God is good. That God is faithful. And so are His people. Who have been shaped and formed by the Apostles' teaching. The fellowship of the church. The breaking of the bread and the prayers. And have grown a, a spirit of generosity in response to God's grace. We did this all along, and we maintained our staff, our program, our mission giving. And I still can't quite understand how we did it. Through the recession in 2008 and all of that. But we did it by God's grace. And do not ever forget it. And we need to continue to hear from you this summer to build up some of our reserves. There's always an emergency from an elevator to a sound system to God only knows what. <laughs> but I think what it means is that God wants this lighthouse of the gospel to be here vital a hundred years from now. Plus today, in this year, 2017, in the midst of joys and sorrows, of losses and gains, of suffering and tears and laughter, we put our arms around one another and we affirm the peace, the unity, and the purity of the church because it belongs to Christ. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, may we be so impacted by your love and by the reality of your kingdom that we would have your mind and be launched into that great adventure of losing ourselves in order that we might find the life that is truly life in you. We have discovered that we cannot outgive you, that you are good, and that your heart is grace. May in our hearts be gratitude always for who you are. And may we live as your church as an awe-inspired congregation 
never forgetting what the Lord has done for the sake of his kingdom through us. We pray in his name. Amen. We walk by faith, not by sight. By faith we see the hand of God In the light of creation's grand design In the lives of those who prove His faithfulness Who walk by faith and not by sight by faith our fathers roamed the earth With the power of His promise in their hearts Of a holy city built by God's own hand A place where peace and justice reign We will stand as children of the
pray has been brought to my attention that we have a cake out here on the courtyard, a paid in full cake that we're going to eat and we're going to eat it well. Amen? Amen. And so we hope that you will gather with us out here in this courtyard that as we cut that cake, we will celebrate God's goodness, his generosity, his provision, and him moving us as a congregation and friends of this congregation to give so that we could pay off this loan and this debt and move forward in his mission. So we hope you'll join us out in the courtyard. And now we're going to see how Steve can transition from talking about cake (laughs) to prayer. (laughs) Let's do it. God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for moving this congregation and friends of this congregation to give. And we know and we can look back upon this journey, this adventure, and all of the different ways of committee work and speaking with people and and being encouraged by our pastor to give. And so we know that this was all to the glory and the honor and the praise of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. In this we give thanks. And God, our Father, on this day when we honor fathers, we give you thanks for them and ask you to give them wisdom and grace. And we pray for fathers and grandfathers every season of life to give patience and wisdom. And we pray for fathers and all in the world who struggle to feed and support themselves and their families, who find themselves caught up in forces of hostility and violence. We pray that you will give strength and courage and hope. And as we come to the end of this school year, we pray for our children and youth as they face new situations and make crucial decisions, as some move away to school and new jobs, as they develop into the people you've created them to be, and as they come to love you and walk in your ways, we pray your blessing upon them. And now may our gifts today be a sign for each other and this world that we pledge to work together in your name for the healing and salvation of this world through Christ our Lord, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory. 
The Apostle Paul's personal witness was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May we go forth with the power of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit resting upon us to continue this long journey until Jesus comes again. Amen.